Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The deadline to apply for aid through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program 2 is Friday. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. Cold and wet weather returns to Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. NRCS and Soil Health. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domo with news headlines. Time is running out for U.S. farmers and ranchers to file for aid through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program Part 2, or CFAP 2. The deadline to apply at Farm Service Agency offices is Friday. CFAP 2 provides direct relief to farmers and ranchers facing market disruptions and associated costs due to the coronavirus pandemic. More than 300 commodities, from livestock and row crops to specialty crops and aquaculture, are eligible for CFAP 2. CFAP 2 is a separate program from the original CFAP. Enrollment in CFAP 2 is not automatic. Even if you applied for CFAP 1, you still need to apply for aid through CFAP 2. Again, the deadline to sign up at FSA offices is Friday. The United States is challenging Canadian dairy policies. On Wednesday, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer said Canada is violating the terms of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement to the detriment of U.S. dairy farmers. Canada is allegedly reserving a percentage of each dairy tariff rate quota, or TRQ, for its own processors. Lighthizer said this undermines the ability of American dairy farmers and producers to utilize the agreed-upon TRQs and sell a wide range of dairy products to Canadian buyers. The U.S. has provided Canada an official notice of the challenge. If the two countries cannot resolve the U.S.'s concerns through consultations, the U.S. may request a dispute settlement panel to examine the matter. USMCA went into effect in July. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Former USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack appears to be in the running for a second stint at running the Ag Department. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley says Vilsack did a great job as Agriculture Secretary in the Obama administration. I like what Vilsack did as Secretary of Agriculture for eight years, and if he was in for another uh, four years, it'd be okay with me. I'd be glad to, uh, if he wants me to, to, to speak for him before the Agriculture Committee. Vilsack was Agriculture Secretary for eight years under President Barack Obama. He's currently the CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. 
Harvest has wrapped up for most Texas farmers, and now it's time to plan for next year. There are several online tools that can help farmers plan for the next crop, like Nutrien's economics website. Nutrien senior agronomist Christy Preston. So our economics website has a couple of very useful calculators for farmers, one of which is an ROI calculator. It allows a farmer to run site-specific scenarios where they can determine how profitable their fertilizer applications might be. And there are several other helpful tools on the site. Like a, a rainfall tracker, And then our nutrient removal calculator, he can calculate right on the spot how much of a nutrient he is expected to either remove in plant harvest or be taken up to produce a certain level of yield. You can find all of that and more at Nutrien-Economics.com. Cold, wet weather has returned to Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan reports from Waco. The moisture we have been waiting on for months has finally arrived, but it was in smaller amounts and did not add up to much. Over the Thanksgiving week, the rain fell in short increments. It was spread out over several days with a whopping grand total of one inch of rainfall. Some areas received a little bit more, some received a little bit less, but overall it wasn't a a big widespread rain for our area. Since October 1, we've only received 2.7 inches up to date. Uh, Comparing the 30-year average rainfall, where we would normally receive over 7 inches, that 2.7 inches is, is very shy of what we would expect for this time of year. Moisture may be present on the topsoil, but we are very short with deep soil moisture. We have not received those large rainfall events or even small events spread out over a large amount of time that will add up. The low levels of rain are very evident if you go around the the area and look at stock tanks, which are very low for this time of year. We have been relatively warm uh, so far in the fall into the early part of the winter, but that that normal cooler weather has returned to central Texas with temperatures getting down to around freezing uh, and hovering kind of just above it. Those nighttime lows have been around freezing. Daytime temperatures have been a little higher. Uh, Doesn't feel too bad out there unless you get out in the wind. The moisture we have received has allowed our cool season annuals to germinate, come up, as well as small grains that was planted into a dry seabed to have enough moisture to germinate and emerge. Has been a large amount of wheat that was dry planted that is now coming up. Surprisingly, with the limited amount of moisture we have received over central Texas, we do have wheat and oat stands that look fairly good. Ryegrass pastures are starting to green up, and you can see it being consistently green across some of these livestock pastures. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Soil health is an increasingly important topic for Texas farmers and ranchers. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Kevin Norton. He is acting chief of the Natural Resources Conservation Service, joining us from the U.S. Department of Agriculture in our nation's capital. Kevin, NRCS is always dealing with a number of issues at any given time for farmers and ranchers across the country and here in Texas including soil health. Talk about that aspect for our listeners. Well, uh, thank you. And certainly uh, you hear a lot about soil health out in the uh, media today and uh, in farm country, uh, even uh, relative to rangeland health, those kinds of things. And for us, uh, you know, everything about conservation starts with the soil. 
and uh, and it is the foundation that we build our agriculture production system on. Uh, the whole uh, effort we have underway with Soil Health is to work voluntarily with those agriculture producers to broaden uh, their crop rotations, to uh, ensure that they're, uh, you know, maximize every opportunity uh, to have something active in feeding soil microbes and putting uh, organic material back into the soil, uh, building that health. I've used this a number of times, but uh, it, you know, if you think about uh, spilling a glass of milk on your countertop and where that goes and spilling it on your carpet, we're really talking about having a healthy soil environment that uh, when water falls on it, uh, that it, it doesn't run off. It just, it just soaks itself down in soil, provides resiliency for the fluctuations in climate, whether that's extreme uh, rainfall events or extreme drought uh, to help uh, the soil be more resilient and, uh, and productive during those periods of time. There are many soil types in Texas, as you are well aware, Kevin, uh, that farmers and ranchers rely on to grow their crops and raise their livestock. So certainly when it comes to soil health, they need to be cognizant of what they need to do to make sure their soil is productive enough for whatever they are raising and growing. Yes, uh, yes. And and it is variable. And, uh, you know, different different soil types, different uh, locations. I mean, you know, there in Texas, what you do in uh, the rice country down around the Houston area versus the high plains out Lubbock, uh, that, you know, a wide range of things that go on there that you have to consider. In fact, even the way, uh, you know, the climate deals with, uh, with, the, with uh, the microbes and the organic material within the soils. You, you know, the, the, the high higher temperatures, humidity, those kinds of things in the southeast part of Texas, uh, different uh, way of treating your crop production system to ensure that you're dealing with health, soil health. Out in the high plains, it's about residue, about uh, you know, cover crops, those kinds of things to, uh, to uh, you know, spread cover over the whole year and also keep uh, the activity, the underground activity, uh, vibrant in those soils. Those comments from Kevin Norton, the acting chief of the Natural Resources Conservation Service at the USDA headquarters in Washington. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dairy farmers are just about out of time to sign up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, which is the Farm Bill Safety Net for dairy producers. John Newton, American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist, says he's surprised at the low enrollment numbers right now. I certainly am. I think, you know, it's a pretty easy decision when you look at where corn prices are, where soybean meal prices are. Think about where milk prices are. It's an easy money bet that the 950 coverage option at 15 cents per hundred weight is a is a pretty good bargain in the event that milk prices fall. Now you got to think we, we're going into a spring flush. We've been adding cows. We're adding more milk. At the same time, we're going into more COVID-19 lockdown. So putting a risk management plan in place is important. The deadline to sign up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program is this Friday, unless there's an extension granted. A program hosted by the Texas Wildlife Association is teaching Texas youth to hunt. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there is some evidence that horses that exhibit cribbing behavior are also prone to colic. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explores that topic coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There is some evidence out there that horses that exhibit cribbing behavior can also be prone to colic. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Cribbing is a common behavior problem in horses. The condition is actually called a stereotopy, which is defined as a pattern of behavior that is unchanging and repetitive with no goal or function. Dr. Stacy Oak indicates in the horse publication that cribbing involves grasping an object with the incisors, flexing the muscles on the underside of the neck, and drawing air into the upper esophagus while making a grunting sound. The condition is also called wind sucking, and horses will literally tear down a barn made of wood by constantly placing their front teeth over wood planks and pulling backward. It is believed the condition is a way for horses to deal with stress, but this is unproven and is similar to an obsessive-compulsive disorder in other animals and people. Other than tearing down the barn, horses can also damage their front teeth by cribbing and can increase the chances of arthritis in their jaw. These horses also lose weight as they spend all their time cribbing rather than eating and are also more likely to develop stomach ulcers. Dr. Louise Southwood indicates horses that crib are more likely to colic, and she performed a study showing horses that crib are 12 times more likely to colic than those that do not crib. So this is significant. Another study revealed that 35% of the horses that crib also had colic, which is a really high number since the percent of colic in the general population is usually less than 10%. There are multiple options to aid in decreasing cribbing and none work in all cases, but they include electrifying the surfaces they chew on, coating the surfaces that are being chewed with unpleasant tasting material, various collars, surgery, and anti-anxiety medications. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A program hosted by the Texas Wildlife Association is teaching youth to hunt. Jessica Domel has more on that program in today's Wildlife Report. Youth across the state are learning to hunt for the first time this season thanks to the Texas Wildlife Association's Texas Youth Hunting Program. The program is hosted by TWA in partnership with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Chris Mitchell, director of the Texas Youth Hunting Program, joins us with more. It's going surprisingly well. As of this date, we've completed over 70 hunts. We just posted hunt number 142, so we have about another 70 hunts to go, so there's plenty of opportunities for everyone. The Texas Youth Hunting Program takes inexperienced hunters ages 9 to 17 who have successfully completed hunter education on their first hunt. It might not be the first hunt ever, but it'll be the first hunt with the Texas Youth Hunting Program. We give priorities to those new hunters and, and that's how we choose hunters is based on the number of hunts that they have with us. The hunts are led by experienced volunteer mentors. 
when the kids aren't eating, sleeping, or hunting, we're teaching them something. When a young hunter shoots their first animal, a whitetail or a hog or, or whatever, we teach them how to field dress skin and quarter. You know, when that weekend is over with, they've either had the opportunity to hands-on with guidance from an experienced hunt master or other volunteer, do their field dress skin and quarter on their own animal, or they've been able to observe probably several others. To apply for a youth hunt, go to tyhp.org. That's tyhp for Texas Youth Hunting Program.org. Scroll down to the schedule and click the title of the event you'd like to attend to apply. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, Thursday was a higher day for the cattle market, also seeing nice gains in both cotton and wheat. We'll update you on all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded in positive territory on Thursday. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up 55 cents, 107.92. The February up 87, 111.85. April live cattle up 92 cents, 115.97. The feeder cattle market higher January up 57, 137.60. March feeders up 45 at 139.25. April feeder cattle up 30 cents, 140.72. Cash fed cattle market somewhat quiet on Thursday. We did see some lower trade earlier in the week. 108 seemed to move most of the cattle here in Texas and Kansas. Prices dropped to 107 in Nebraska. When you get into the Midwest, we saw live sales in Iowa at 105 to 106. Most dress prices, 168. Overall for the week, that makes prices 2 to $4 lower. Some of that pressure coming from boxed beef, it's been lower all week long. Choice down 294 on Thursday at 215.32. Select down 205, 199.60. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Caldwell Livestock Commission, Caldwell, Texas. 1,132 heads sold this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.50 to $1.92 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.60 to $1.92. Four to 500 pounders, $1.40 to $1.95. Five to six weight steers, $1.20 to $1.62. Six to seven weights, $1.10 to $1.30 a pound. With seven to 800 pound steers bringing $1 to $1.15. Slaughter cows, 20 to 60 cents. Slaughter bulls, 60 to 80. Stocker cows, 500 to 975 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 725 to 950 a pair. 
Brazos Valley Livestock Commission in Bryan, Texas. 1,184 heads sold. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers $1.70 to $2 a pound. Three to four weight steers $1.70 to $2.02. Four to five weights $1.45 to $2.06. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar thirty to a dollar seventy-two. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar sixteen to a dollar thirty-three. And seven to eight weight steers, a dollar seventeen to a dollar twenty-four pound. Slaughter cows, thirty-two to fifty-four cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-two to sixty-eight. Stocker cows, seven fifty to eleven fifty a head. Cow calf pairs, seven sixty to ten sixty a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs close lower. December down 32 cents, 64.80. February hogs down $1.17 at 65.10. Class 3 milk was higher. December up 28 cents, 15.80 a hundredweight. January milk up 26 at 16.36 a hundred. Another big jump in the cotton market, well into the mid-70s now. USDA coming out with its weekly export sales report. Very good-looking report showing robust cotton sales. March cotton up 121 points, 74.26. May up 115 points, 75.04. December cotton up 82 points at 72.55. We saw a nice jump in the wheat market in both hard and soft wheat. USDA's monthly supply and demand report out on Thursday morning. USDA lowered its estimate of U.S. ending wheat stocks from 877 million bushels down to 862 million, mainly because of strong increases in wheat exports. March Kansas City wheat up 12 and a half, 563 and a half. New crop July wheat up 12, 570 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 11 and a quarter, closing at 595 a bushel. Corn closed slightly higher. December corn down one and three quarters, 420 and a quarter. September corn down two and a quarter, 412 and a quarter. In the energy markets, January natural gas up 12 cents, 256. January crude oil up $1.36, 46.88 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 69 points, 29,999. The NASDAQ up 66 at 12,405. The S&P 500 down 4, 3,668. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.